It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley sitting in for the Reverend Bert Harper alongside, alongside via airwaves anyway, with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And Alex, tell us where you are today. Well, I'm still in Tarboro, North Carolina. This is kind of um, a little bit east of Raleigh, the state capital, a little bit west of the historic town of Newburn. And I'm with uh, Lamont Henninger in First Baptist Tarboro. And we're having revival tonight at 7 p.m. Anybody, I know we're on the FM station down here. And so uh, we had a great night last night. Really, really spirit-filled altar call time of revival. So come on out to First Baptist Tarboro tonight and tomorrow at 7 p.m. And uh, Jim, we're seeing a lot of very faithful Exploring the Word listeners here in eastern North Carolina. Amen. And where are you, are you going to be home this weekend or will you be out speaking again? Well, this weekend I will be in Greensboro, North Carolina at Good Shepherd Church. Um, During the COVID months, I've been helping out Good Shepherd, and this will be my last Sunday at Good Shepherd Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, while we're on the subject, I'm very excited. If you go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be with our wonderful listeners in Texas, First Baptist Silverton, Texas, the first uh, weekend of May. Uh, That's just right outside of Lubbock. Then I'm going to be in Rogers, Arkansas at Boundless Grace Baptist. We've got just so many wonderful listeners in Arkansas. And so, yeah, we got stuff going on all over the country to preach the Word and to equip the church to defend the faith, Jim. Amen. One last question, and then we're going to get into the first chapter of the book of Nahum. It's in the Old Mm -hmm. Testament. Uh, That's Nahum. We're in the first chapter, and we're going to pick up at verse 4. But before we do that, uh, Alex, you weren't able to travel much last year due to COVID. But this year, your schedule's kind of beginning to fill up. But if you still have some holes in that schedule and someone wanted to bring you to their community, what would they need to do? Well, God bless you, Jim Stanley. You're wonderful. Uh, That's right. Last year, 2020, was not all that uh, busy of a year for evangelists and apologists. But, you know, we're wide open right now. And just email me uh, if you go to alex at alexmcfarland.com. And Jim, you know, I I preach a lot of evangelistic messages and revival messages, but kind of what me got, you know, what got me on the road 20 years ago was apologetics, Mm -hmm. and especially with young people. And I was was with some youth pastors this morning— and we were talking about how young people very often they lose their faith in college or they just the the pressures of this world you know the the culture is somewhat hostile to christianity these days so i love to talk to young people about the evidence for the bible for christianity and yes why america is worth loving and caring about our nation and so i'd love to come to your city folks and let's talk about god and country and Jim, I appreciate you. And I want to say something. Uh, I'm so excited. Just before the show, I was proofing, I was proofreading the cover for a book that's coming out. 
and I'm staring at it right now, but it's a hundred questions and answers from the first 10 years of exploring the Word. 100 Bible questions and answers. Now listen to some of this cover copy. It says, answers to dozens of Bible questions and issues, in-depth responses to objections frequently raised by skeptics, inspiring truths, historical facts, practical insights, and how to effectively understand the Scripture. This book comes out in September, and it's by Reverend Bert Harper, and also some other guy, Alex McFarland. But it says they are host of the nationally syndicated live radio show, Exploring the Word. And so I'm excited about this book that's going to be out in the, in the fall of 2021. Amen. Looking forward to it. And uh, I know our listeners are as well, uh, that, uh, that they'll be looking forward to that. Well, let's get into the book of Nahum now. And Alex, when we were in it yesterday, we talked about a lot of different things, but one of the things that we talked about there in verse 3, want to back up, says the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Now, we kind of stopped there, but that verse goes on to say, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea in verse 4, and makes it dry, and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the flowers of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Now, Alex, just those few verses right there talk about how God is able to judge the world, doesn't it? It really does. You know, we use the word sovereign or or providential, but the sovereignty of God means that he is in control. He really is. And just because things in the world look kind of um, out of control, no, God, God is in control. I love that wording there, Jim, in uh, Nahum 1.3, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we frequently in life, we find ourselves in a whirlwind, don't we? But do you know what? It's really the wording means his way prevails even over above the the storms of the whirlwind. Now, God allows and permits fallen man to sometimes do things, but uh, don't let the events of the day cause you to despair or think that God has walked away or God is up in heaven saying, oh, my goodness, what do we do? No, God is in control. He has his way, even above the noise of the storm. And I love these words, the clouds are the dust of his feet. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look up at the sky, either it's the nighttime sky with all the beautiful stars and the vast expanse of heaven, or maybe even the beautiful sunshine of the day. I mean, to look at the creation and look at the the sky, it's, it's incredibly broad. But you know what? The clouds are just like little crumbs of sand underneath his footsteps. I mean, God is powerful, and I I think this wording, in a very pictorial way, speaks to the fact that God is in control, and God, the Creator has power even over the creation. Amen. Uh, Warren Wearsby, I I was looking as I was preparing for today, and in Warren Wearsby's expository outlines on the Old Testament, uh, he, he has this statement. And the question is, does God have the power to judge? 
Uh, Wearsby says, of course he does. Look at his power in nature, verses 3 through 6, which we just did, in winds and storms, in rains and droughts, on land and sea. Who can stand before his power? Nations today seem to forget the power of the Almighty God. They act as though there is no God, but you can be sure that the day of judgment will come, and in that day, no nation will be able to escape. Now, Alex Wearsby is a well-respected theologian, and I know that you enjoy his writings too. But in in reading that, and reading this from Nahum, and talking about the whirlwind, and the control God has over that, it really did make me think of Job 38. And Job 38 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Without knowledge. And think of what's going on in our country today and how people just, there just seems to be this storm of words that are coming from all around the country and all around the world. And unfortunately, most of them are spoken without knowledge. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I hear so many things, and I know you do too, because, you know, prepping for the shows and the, the broadcasting that we do on AFR, you know, we, we have to stay up on current events. And, we, and Jim, I hear so many things that reflect ignorance of the mm-hmm. Word of God. Then I, I hear a lot of things that are even, you know, blasphemous and denigrate Christianity. But, friend, see, in, in the book of Nahum, God was reassuring Judah that he would judge the Assyrians who've enslaved them. And be assured, Christian friend, that God is in control, and God is going to judge the, the, the nations and the, the, the groups and the individuals that have rejected Jesus. And right now, I think about, you know, Hollywood and much of academia, that they might mock God and mock his word. And, you know, we don't take any joy in this because we, we don't want anybody to be lost. We want people to be saved. But be assured that all of the people that have mocked God and rejected truth, there will be a day of reckoning. Um, you know, just as it talks about that he has his way in the whirlwind, okay, the strongest forces of nature God still can control. Mm-hmm. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. By the way, uh, Jim, there's a church in North Carolina that has some cedars of Lebanon, mm. and these are um, cedar trees that were brought to North Carolina in the 19th century from the Middle East, and they are gigantic. I mean, they are gigantic. These cedar trees are so huge, and the trees I'm thinking of are, you know, 150 years old. But listen to this. The flower of Lebanon, the, the great cedars of Lebanon, they're just like a blade of grass before the power of the Creator. Mm-hmm. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt. That kind of reminds me of Isaiah 64 that talks about uh, God speaking and the hills melt like water before God. The earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Jim, did you ever hear that old gospel song, um, Where Are You Gonna Hide? Right. When, you know, when the earth trembles and the, the sky the stars fall and all that. I mean, there, there's coming the day, and and again, we 
we're not saying, oh, you know, good, people are going to get their just desserts. We want people to be saved. We're concerned for the souls of people. But there is coming a day when every mouth will be stopped. Mm -hmm. All the skeptics will believe. All the people that have pushed God and his truth away. There's coming a day when the world will acknowledge the Savior, the Lord, the Sovereign, and his truth. The question is, Every knee is going to bow, but are you going to bow on this side of eternity where mm-hmm. you can be saved, or are you going to bow in a state of condemnation when you appear before the judge of all the earth? Amen. You know, Alex, when you were talking about Nahum being a book of reassurance, uh, it's, it's mindful to note that Assyria at this time in history was considered to be at the peak of its power. It's not like we were coming up when they were, when they were beginning to crumble. But this is at the time when Assyria was the strongest, and no one could imagine anyone being able to defeat them. Yeah, that that's true. And, you know, I, I think about our own nation. I mean, we've been called a superpower. Do you remember back in the 80s during Reagan's years, um, we heard the phrase, the world's policeman. Sometimes mm-hmm. people would say, well, America is not supposed to be the world's policeman. But the thing was, we, we have been the most powerful nation in the world But listen, all that could be gone quickly. The Bible says the wicked will be turned to hell, literally to the grave, and all the nations that forget God. Just like nowadays, nobody would think of Assyria as a superpower. Right. But at one point, they were. Sure were. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word. That voice was Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley, and we'll continue in the first chapter of the book of Nahum as Exploring the Word continues here on American Family Radio. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ron Klain, White House Chief of Staff. Mr. Klain oversees the White House staff manages the president's daily schedule, and also serves as the president's gatekeeper for meetings. Matthew 23:11 reminds us of the importance of serving others. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Ron Klain as he oversees the staff and the schedule of the president. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Sometimes kindness is hardest with the people who are closest. Dr. Tony Evans says that's why men have to take extra care at home to watch not only what they do, but what they say. He takes us to Ephesians 4.31 as we spend two minutes with Tony. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Bitterness has to do with internal hostility that harbors ill will. It becomes a smoldering thing within you. It grows up and becomes wrath. Now wrath is anger expressed. And then when you blow up, it becomes clamor. Clamor means brawl. And when you clamor, it becomes malice. And slander, and slander is when you put somebody else down in the face of others. 
putrid words grieves the spirit. And a grieved Holy Spirit is like corrosion around a battery. When your battery gets corroded, you don't have access to the power. The Holy Spirit is the power of the Christian life. And if you use putrid language, unwholesome words, don't be surprised that you have no power in your spiritual life. Because it grieves the Holy Spirit. It saddens him. So if you've been using this kind of language with your mate, you owe them an apology. If you've been using this kind of language with your children, you owe them an apology. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God is in Christ forgave you. Be gracious enough to wipe the mental slate clean. Learn more about the strength, commitment, and sacrifice it takes to be the kind of man a woman would want to submit to. It's all spelled out in Dr. Evans' bestseller, Kingdom Man. Copies are available at TonyEvans.org, along with study guides, leader's guides, and everything you need to promote God's view of manhood in your home or church. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. Exploring the Word and hopefully making disciples. That's what we hope to do. We, we hope to bring people to Christ and not just bring them to Christ, but help them to grow each and every day. Now, exploring the Word isn't meant to replace your local church. We want you to find a good local Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church from Genesis to Maps. Okay, we'll let you, we'll <laughs> yes. let you stray a little on Maps. But uh, So welcome back to Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley and Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, we really do want to compliment the local church, don't we? We do. We do. We have such great appreciation for pastors and churches. And, you know, uh, I've, I've been in so many churches around the country, Jim, and they, they do a lot of things. I mean, from preaching the Word to Bible study to couples counseling to clothes closets to food pantries. The church does so many things. But do you know one of the things that psychologists tell us is so important? for all people, is socialization. And Jim, I think about the fact that, you know, oftentimes one of the debilitating struggles people have is loneliness. Mm. Loneliness. And when people are old and maybe um, they're a widow or widower, and they might otherwise be sitting at home by themselves, but yet they go to church and they they interact with people. And Jim, you've been a pastor, I've been a pastor, I really think one of the greatest blessings the Lord ever gave the human race, I mean, right behind salvation and the blessing of family, is the blessing of the local church. Because, mm. you know, so many people that I've met that they learn leadership, and how did they become a leader in the church? How did they learn music and maybe public speaking or, or service or building up of character in the church? And so let me encourage everybody, like Jim says, be in church. Find, find yourself a good church. I mean, there's so many different good ones, but make sure it's a church that believes the Bible and teaches the Bible and stands on God's Word. And we're going to get back in Nahum chapter 1, but Jim, um, I think you'll know exactly what I'm saying here. You know, coming to know the Lord, and, and you've got a great family, and you've got a great wife and, and daughter, but... In the church and in the work of the Lord, uh, I found myself in the church. You know what I mean? I went, mm-hmm. 
I, I was a young person. I didn't didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't really know how to grow up and mature. In the church, I became and am becoming who God wanted me to be. Do, do you know what I mean when I say in, in walking with the Lord and in the church? That's where you find yourself, isn't it? It is. And, you know, because if you don't find yourself there, you're going to find yourself trying to acclimate to the world's way, you know, to the secular way of life. And unfortunately, where we are now, as far as secularism and the, the way that our country is going, that's not necessarily going to lead you to Christ. But finding mm-hmm. a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that will help you in your walk. Well, Alex, as you mentioned, we are in the book of Nahum, the first chapter. And I think I stopped reading at verse 6. Did you have anything else you wanted to say uh, through verse 5? No. uh, Verse 6 asks the question, Who can stand before his indignation or God's judgment? Who can endure the fierceness of God's anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Now, Jim, this is not the... uh, this is not the, the meek and uh, timid Jesus you hear in a lot of praise courses, is it? No, it's not. It's not warm fuzzy. No, it's it, as, as a youth said to me years and years and years ago, uh, a youth said to me that um, in, in many studies and everything, they get, quote, a fuzzy Jesus bunny. Right. Uh, this is not the fuzzy Jesus bunny. I mean, this is a holy God. And the, the answer is, who can stand before his wrath? Nobody. Um, I, I was reading an article about a major city uh, years ago that the fire department, they got these these gloves that were fireproof gloves. So firefighters, when they were you know responding to a fire, they could run the hoses and not get burned. And they said that really this particular flame-proof material, you know, was what saved the lives of the firefighters. Friend, when you're in the righteousness of Christ, you as a believer, you turn to Christ, Lord, save my soul. Well, there's a lot of things that happens when you're born again. Your sins are washed away. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the ra- the righteousness of Jesus, which you've old songs talked about being clothed in his righteousness, that's like the fireproof suit that will enable you to stand in the presence of a holy God. Uh, Really, I think about people that, you know, your wealth won't do it, your power, no matter how um, notable or famous you might have been in this world, the only thing that will enable you to stand before God is the righteousness of Jesus. Fortunately, that is instantly yours when you're born again. But uh, there's a real change from verse 6 to verse 7, isn't it, There is, Uh, and as you say that, you know, it's, it's, it gets to the compassion and the mercy here for a moment. It says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? Uh, as we get into verse 9, I want to go back, though. You know, a little bit ago you were asking, where do we hide, you know, in that time when when the stones begin to fall, when the earth quakes so much that it brings down great mountains? Where do we hide? Well, we have to hide ourselves in that stronghold of knowing that our God will protect us. Much like God protected Moses, uh, our man, I just had a complete brain suit. 
I'm trying to remember the Moses or David in the cleft of the rock, you know, so that uh, he could see God's glory but not die. And so God <laughs> placed him in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand. You, you know what's interesting is, uh, do you remember back in Revelation 6, 16, during the time of the tribulation, people were calling on the mountains to fall on them. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, can you imagine saying to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb? Now, you, when, when God comes back, you can't crawl up under a rock and hide. But right now, you can get in the cleft of the rock. Amen. You know, the rock of salvation, who is Jesus Christ. And so, uh, verse 8 says, With an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. Um, the word end, you know, we think of the, the conclusion of something. Well, the end of the story or, or the end of the movie or whatever. But the word end really is a Greek word, teleos, T-E-L-I-O-S, meaning design or purpose or intent. Um, God, God will judge this world, and there will be an end of his judgment, not only the conclusion of it, but the, the purpose of it. Um, the Bible says that every tongue will confess, every knee will bow to the honor of, of, of God the Father to the acknowledgement of Jesus. So there is an end and a purpose for this. Now, verse 9, what do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. There's that word for design or teleos again. Affliction will not rise up a second time. Jim, there's not going to be another Genesis 3 and another fall, is it? No, there's not. uh, I'm really glad, and we've, we've gotten this question before on exploring the Word. You know, what if... 10,000 years from now in heaven, there's, there's another fall and sin, and there, there's not going to be. Uh, affliction is not going to arise a second time. Now, I know this is talking about the, the, the Assyrians uh, in a way, but when we get to heaven, you're going to get a glorified body, and you're, you're going to be, your, your state is going to be fixed. And so I'm really glad that in heaven there's not going to be danger of sometime another rebellion. There was the rebellion of the angels that fell with Lucifer and became demons. There was the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, and we're, we're here right now in God's period of history called the church age. But one, one day we're going to be in heaven with the Lord, and we're not going to fall from heaven because we're going to be in a glorified, perfected state. Hmm. Amen. Well, and as we continue to read there, I think, you know, what do you conspire against the the Lord? Not why do you conspire, but what do you conspire? And I think it's to go ahead and continue with the same thing that the Assyrians had. You know, they they were they wanted to continue to rule the land uh, in such a way that they would continue to try and get, draw God's people away from Him. But in verse ten, it says, "For while tangled like thorns, and while drunken like drunkards." They shall be devoured like stubble fully dried. From you comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus says the Lord, though they are safe and likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. Now, Alex, you know... 
when I see that, when I when I read that, and think of clearing the the stubble the the that's left over from the harvest, where the harvest has been pulled out, and then you've got this stubble from the that are left in the fields, and we think of how they used to go through with the with the sickles and the sling blades to cut that stubble down. That's kind of the the word picture that God's drawing here for His enemies that there is coming a day when he's simply going to walk through them and take them down as though they were dry dust and rubble and stubble. Yeah, that that's true. That's that's true. And uh, let me say this. When when God's uh, judgment comes, I mean, nobody, I mean, the powerful, you know, right now we've heard so much about big tech mm-hmm. and the social media companies that censor viewpoints. We're living in an age of viewpoint discrimination. And Jim, you and I both, uh, we, uh, you and I, I know you have a great moral compass, and I, I hope I do too. And things that are unjust, things that are just wrong, it, it really gets under my skin. You know, I, th- I think about in schools where young people are taught things that are unbiblical and even anti-biblical. I think about the censorship of social media and big tech. And I think about the influence of Hollywood. and uh, But you know what? The day is coming. The day is coming when the trumpet will sound, every ear will hear it, and God's truth will prevail. Like you say, a sickle that's mowing down mm-hmm. a field, and there's a time of harvest. Friend, be encouraged. God is in control, and the noise of a fallen world will not overpower the will of God. Um, it says this, that in this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. Now, this is a word of encouragement to to Judah, and they've been under the affliction of the Assyrians, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was really God allowed it, and he says, look, there's coming a day when your your tribulation is going to be ended. For now I will break off his yoke from you, and burst your bonds apart. Remember in Isaiah 61 about the Savior coming to set the captives free. Understand, the Assyrian put on them the yoke of slavery, but that yoke is going to be lifted. And so God allowed this affliction, but he also knows how to relieve them of this affliction. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer. Out of the house of your gods, I will cut off the carved image and the molded image. I will dig your grave, for you are vile. This is talking about the Assyrians. Uh, again, you know, the, the tender, sweet, anything goes type of Jesus, you're not going to find that here. Mm. I mean, this is the holy God says of these Assyrians, you are vile. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Well, it is. And when you think about that God is saying, I will dig your grave. You know, I I think about (laughs) how he used his finger to carve the stones for the Ten Commandments. All right? Mm -hmm. And so we know that the Lord is able to exercise physicality over this creation that he made. I mean, good night. Look at the the way he took and made the heavens and the earth. I just can't picture that God, our God, telling me that he's going to dig my grave because you know it's one thing for us to say or that we've heard threats of someone saying well i'm going to dig your grave you know but it's Mm -hmm. entirely something else when the god of eternity 
has said, I'll dig your grave for you are vile. That Hmm. just puts us, if that doesn't raise our antenna, if that doesn't raise the hair on the back of our neck, wanting to make sure that our loved ones know Christ and know God, then I, you know, I don't know what else will, because that's a pretty straightforward warning, isn't it? Well, it it really is, and your name will no longer be perpetuated. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you and I both love music, uh, because we've talked about it before. And, you know, um, I think about the fame of, I mean, we've lived in an age where there have been musicians that were world famous, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, we've lived in the age of celebrity, where there have been wealthy, famous, influential people. You know, But look, their name is not going to be perpetuated any longer. And, and so, friends, why would, you, why would you invest your heart, your soul, in this world that's going to be forgotten? You know, read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is going to pass away and be forgotten. And so the only way, Jim, they say that one of the things that every person experiences is what's called the survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Human beings, I mean, they, they want to live. And even beyond, you know, physical survival, people ask about, you know, how will I be remembered? What's my legacy? The only way, spiritually, physically, in, by every benchmark, to have uh, immortality. It's through Jesus. Amen. It's through Jesus. And verse 15 tells us that. It says, Behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feast, perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. We'll wrap that up and take your phone calls at 888 589 8840, straight ahead. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies, very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. There are some horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And uh, that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. As David prepared to face Goliath, Saul tried to outfit David with Saul's personal armor. But David didn't have Saul's armor when he faced the lion or the bear. And David recognized that he didn't need the armor to slay Goliath. Today, many Christians yield to the temptation to be hipper, cooler, even a little fuzzy on the clear teachings of Scripture in order to face the Goliaths of our day. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. We don't need a cool light show to be effective ambassadors for Christ. All we need is to offer what we have freely received, 
We know the transforming power of Christ because he has transformed us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says this, We make it our aim to please Him. I have a friend who heads a large company that serves 4,000 clients. Every year he takes his 15 executive VPs on a golf outing. While they play, they talk about their current challenges and plans for the future. When they reach the ninth hole, my friend gathers everyone around him and says this, All of our clients have different expectations. Would you rather try to work for all 4,000 of them or for me? He's simply communicating that they really have one person to please, and that's him. We really have one person to please, and that's Jesus Christ. If God is pleased, that's all that really matters. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Thank you for listening to American Family Radio. Here's a thought from Scripture. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, in with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's my privilege to sit in for Bert Harper some this week. Bert's on a well-deserved vacation. I guess I worked him mean? too hard during share <laughs> But Alex, well, just be- I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and by the way, on share I want to say again, thanks to everybody for all of your prayers and support, friends. You are so faithful, and we give God the glory for each and every one of you. Amen. Well, we just, we just finished the first chapter of the book of Nahum. And as we read that last verse, Alex, I wanted to be sure before we go to the phones, and you can go ahead and call in at 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840 with your Bible questions. But Alex, you know, it talks about him coming and, and placing his feet on the mountains. That, that sounds like Revelation again, doesn't it? Well, it it really does. It really does. And and by the way, let me say this. There's interesting wording at the end of 15. Uh, the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. Mm-hmm. Does your translation say that, Jim? Yes, sir. Sure does. Well, the word there for cut off, interesting, is, is a word, uh, yikarat, that is found also in uh, Daniel chapter 9 about Messiah being cut off. Uh, a, a violent, sudden, painful death. See, here's the thing. Jesus died so that you could live. Mm. Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to die. And Jesus was subjected to the judgment and wrath so that you could be delivered from the judgment and wrath. And when I saw that wording there at uh, Nahum one fifteen, I thought about that. See, here's the thing. We'll go to the phones. Every sin will be dealt with. You could pay for your own sin, but that's called separation from God eternally. That's hell. Or you can accept that Jesus suffered for your sins, and you'll have everlasting life. Amen. 
All right, folks, your phone calls now at 888-589-8840. And we're going to start off with Ron calling from Ohio. Ron, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, right, Jim and Alex. I got Hello, a friend. Though it's not, uh, I know you guys are dealing with Nahum, but I got a question that comes out of Exodus. And I told or your screener, it's uh, Exodus, fourth chapter, verse 24. And what's going on here is, you know, the Lord is telling Moses to go back to Egypt and uh, tell Pharaoh to, you know, let my people go. And But then in 24, it says, at uh, a lodging place along the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. I, I just was wanting to listen to you, what you, what you think is going on there. All right, Ron, great question from Exodus 4 there. Uh, Alex, uh, when you look at that, what what do you see coming out of there? Well, and, and you know, it's really interesting. Uh, this is about the, it, in Exodus 4, the circumcision of Moses, and Zipporah says something. This is really an interesting thing. Uh, the wording here is, is kind of graphic, and... In a way, it means, quote, a bridegroom of blood. Um, Zipporah says, you know, you're, you're a bloody husband to me. What this means is that Moses is dedicated to the Lord, and Moses is circumcised, and that's one of the earmarks of, of an Israelite. Uh, circumcision was really kind of their um, sign of their commitment to the covenant God that had called Abraham, and and through Moses was still working on the fulfillment of that covenant. And so um, Moses could have rebelled and ultimately been out of the will of God and lost his life, or he could be committed to God, and of course he was. And so I think it's um, as odd as this passage might sound to our modern ears, it's about Moses' obedience to God's call and the fact that in following God and obeying God, he lived and didn't die. Amen. All right, thanks again for the call this afternoon. And Alex, this next question is for you, and it's a test question, so be ready. Uh, Mike uh-oh. calling from Arkansas. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, hey, Mike. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. Hi. Um, I appreciate you guys every day. I look forward to uh, getting in my car after school and and home to the family listening to you guys. So thank you very much for sharing the word. Well, thank you for listening. Um, I'm, trying find, I'm trying to find out some information. You're going to be in Rogers, Arkansas uh, in May at Boundless yes. Grace. And Boundless uh, Grace is, Church, yes. I'm trying to find out information, what times you're speaking, which days, is the way I to purchase tickets. Uh, I'm just trying to, I can't, the, the church is not answering the phone, and I'm just trying to, uh, book an event for my wife and me to go to. Well, praise God. Um, do you know what? Let me find out that Josh Ramsey is the pastor. He's a wonderful brother and a great advocate for uh, exploring the Word. I know that their website is uh, Boundless Grace BC, as in Baptist Church, BoundlessGraceBC.com, and I will get you the information. Um, 
Give me. I know their. Um, well, you're going to be Sunday there. morning services at ten thirty, and their evening services, I believe, at or at six thirty. And I'm going to be there four days, so I'll I'll find out and I'll give uh, the audience the exact times. I want to make sure I say it right, but their website is boundlessgracebc.com. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be there Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday yeah, evening, I, and I, Sunday morning. And so, uh, okay, yeah. y- your calendar says time and topics to be decided. And folks, if you're looking for when Alex is going to be somewhere, he doesn't keep it a secret. You can find it at alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. And there's a tab that says invite Alex to speak. And under that, there is his speaking calendar. And so you can go there and you can see where he's booked up, you know, pretty much for the, you know, for the next couple of months and uh, where he's going to be and when he's going to be close to you. So uh, make, make, uh, Make that resource, and we'll get Devin to put the link for that up Thank you. on our Facebook page, and uh, that way folks can know where you're going to be, and certainly we, we want folks to know that as well because uh, we believe in what you're doing. So thank you for Amen. that call and for the question. Let's move along now, and we're going to talk to Sean also in Ohio this afternoon. Sean, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How's it going? Good. 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 Okay, so um, I've been talking with a fella, and um, he is uh, all about the King James Version. Praise God. Uh, we we talk the same language, but he is so different in a few things. Um, he he talked to me about uh, Constantine, like pre-Constantine versus post-Constantine. And Alex, I really appreciate uh, all of who you are and. And I, I take a lot for what you say, I, if you know what I mean. Um, and I was just wondering if you could speak on that a little bit, because he says that he keeps the Sabbath, which he thinks is on Saturday, which is fine. Um, but, of course, he said that we, when we worship on Sunday, that takes away from it. So it just, and listening to you guys for the past probably five, six years and, um, you know, with everything that I've done to grow in Christ, this one here threw me for a loop, and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> All right, Sean, thanks for the call. Uh, Alex, define for us the difference between pre-Constantine and post-Constantine and why Constantine matters. Well, great question, great question. And there, there's really two questions here, one about the Bible and the King James and one about the, the Sabbath. So let me talk for a minute about the, the King James Bible. As, as you all know, 400 years ago plus, there was uh, what was authorized by the King of England, and it came to be known as the King James Bible. The question really is this, is the only way the Word of God can be rendered in English, the 1611 King James Bible, and I think the answer is no. Now, there, there's a whole world of, uh, for lack of a better word, lore, L-O-R-E, uh, that has grown up around this. And, and I want to say, Jim, this is kind of an example of how in the middle 20th century, that the evangelical church in America, in the the 1950s, 60s, 70s, almost as a reaction against growing what was called modernism, liberalism. Uh, Something that was well-intentioned grew up 
and it's really taken on a life of its own that's that's not exactly ideal. Look, I'm, I'm as conservative as it gets. Things like the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus is God incarnate, um, the only way of salvation, Jesus alone shed his blood to wash our sins away. The flood of Noah was a literal worldwide global flood. I believe that. I believe God created in six days and rested on the seventh. Adam and Eve were literal people. Look, I believe all that. But honestly, in the in the 50s, 60s, 70s, in the quest to push back against liberalism, along comes a, a whole um, world of, of thought about the Bible can only be in English rendered as it was in 1611. And, and that's just not right. Now, Constantine in 323 uh, well, really, in, in 303, the Bible was illegal in the, the Roman Empire. There was a thing called the Edict of Milan in 313 that basically said the church would no longer be persecuted. And then in 323, Constantine made Christianity the official faith of the Roman Empire. Now, the pro-King James people, they'll say, well, see, you know, Constantine did this to corrupt the scriptures and all up through, you know, 1,300 years later, the, um, the quest to pervert the scriptures was kind of, uh, you know, perpetuated. Look, that, that's not historically true. Whether or not Constantine was actually a believer, I don't know. I tend to think he probably was. But I'm going to cut to the chase. I want to recommend a book called The King James Version Debate, A Plea for Realism. It's written by a guy named D.A. Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N. And there are many books we could recommend, but The King James Version Debate, subtitle is A Plea for Realism. Jim, there have been some good translations, like the, the New American Standard, mm-hmm. the ESV, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the, the King James was great, 1982, the new King James. In about 21, 22 years ago, Tyndale put out the NLT, the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. But Jim, I grew up, my grandmother read me the King James Bible. I love the King James Bible. But the King James Bible is not the only way to render the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic manuscripts in English. And so... Um, there's been a lot of kind of false history to try to argue that there's been this conspiracy year, you know, over the centuries, and it's just not true. Uh, there have been some bad translations. I'm not going to name the names because I really don't want to give them any PR, but I understand people that love Jesus and they want to say the King James is the only way the Bible can be translated, as if somehow in 1611 the Spirit of God said, okay, I know we've had Hebrew and Greek manuscripts since, you know, 4004 and 1440 B.C., but now this English translation supersedes all of that. That's just not really true, Jim. And so let me encourage you folks, um, if, if the King James is your preferred translation, wonderful. That's great. But that's not the only way the Word of God can be rendered in the English language. Amen. Then I want to mention one other Bible, 
and I will actually talk about one bad translation, uh, and I do that because I, I think in this instance folks need to know. Well, in 1973, the New International Version was published, and so that was a good translation. It's handy, it's uh, pretty easy to understand, but I think it was maybe five years ago today's New International Version came out. And yeah. Alex, I think you would agree that that is just a horrendous translation because of yeah. what it tries to do and what in, and some of the things it leaves out. So folks, do be careful and also be careful about paraphrases because those that's just what it is. It's a mm -hmm. paraphrase of what it might be. Well, we're going to yeah. take one more call this hour. We're going to talk to Christine from Ohio. Christine, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, this is Kristen. Oh, Kristen, I'm sorry. That's okay. How are you guys today? Good. Doing, doing good. Well, I had a couple of comments I wanted to make. I am a former Seventh-day Adventist. Um, God rescued me from that, um, I'll go as far and say that it is a cult. Um, God rescued that me from there um, 15 years ago, and I give him all the glory for that. Um, and I know you've had some callers um, ask questions, make comments about Sabbath, and um, because it was such a huge topic being a Seventh-day Adventist, worshiping on Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath, um, I just wanted to say that the Sabbath is wonderful, but the Sabbath was the sign of the Old Covenant between God and Israel. All right. Hey, Kristen, give us a call another afternoon. And we'll see if we can't get you on a little bit earlier. But uh, we sure appreciate your call this afternoon. This is Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarland. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out. Matthew 12, 8, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. And so he is our Sabbath. We'll pick up in Nahum, the second chapter tomorrow, here on Exploring the Word. God bless. God bless.